Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, where we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. I am your co-host, Maria, and with me is Gianna Whitford. And today we're having an amazing, amazing guest, friend, I don't know, mentor, the kindest person in cybersecurity marketing, oh God, and I don't the know smartest. About that. <laughs> <laughs> the rest is all going to be downhill. That is way <laughs> too, too big of an intro. I cannot live up to that, Maria. Oh my goodness. So our guest today is Jennifer Van Antwerp. She is a marketing leader. She's a principal at JVan Consulting and working on some exciting projects with cybersecurity vendors, one of which is Sensaber. And we can't wait to get into branding and kindness and all kinds of really interesting angles at taking the cybersecurity marketing challenge by the horns. So Jennifer, thanks for being with us today. We'll give it to you for a quick intro. Tell us about yourself. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. I've been listening since you guys first kicked it off and so excited to be able to participate and just to hang out with two of my buddies. Like Maria mentioned, I'm the principal at JVan Consulting. I do marketing consultation and hands-on like strategy and everything that you might need for cybersecurity startups. I've also done some consulting for folks in healthcare and health tech in the past. And I first started my baby marketing career back in automotive. So I've worked across a few different industries and think that helps me to have a unique perspective when it comes to attacking different problems and reaching different customers. So Jen, that's actually the perfect segue into how we want to start this conversation. So you mentioned automotive industry. You've also been in healthcare as well. What have you seen from those two industries be applicable in cyber? Oh, that's a very good question. It's honestly a little bit easier to start with the thing that is the most different because I feel like across all the different industries, there are some very foundational elements when it comes to trying to make sure that you're speaking about the value for your customers. That goes across the board no matter who you're talking to. But when I was at Automotive, the main focus was on trying to kind of sell the dream of this vehicle. And I worked in the special finance department. So it was not just selling the dream of a vehicle, but also of a loan approval and of trying to help people kind of change their lives and go from maybe they just got out of a bankruptcy and needed to have a more dependable set of wheels. So selling those dreams. When I worked in healthcare, it was on the urgent care side. Initially, I had to wrap my head around how do you even market healthcare? It's not really something that people want to think about. It's not sexy. It's not fun, especially when it comes to urgent care. People don't think about it until they absolutely need it. And by that point, you need to make sure that your brand and your messaging is so top of mind that, of course, they would think of you initially. But a lot of folks don't realize that urgent cares are actually owned by a lot of separate organizations. They just think urgent care is urgent care. So that was a bit of a challenge going from automotive over to urgent care is trying to be top of mind so that that way when someone gets injured or sick, you're the first person that they think of. When I moved over to cybersecurity, I got to cheat a little because my husband's been in the field for a very long time. 
So I've sort of been able to listen to a lot of the things that he's been talking about and understand the industry a little bit before I dipped my toe in. So that gave me a, a little bit of a good head start. But there is so much to learn. It's constantly changing. Just when I think I have the acronyms down pat, oh my God, we have more acronyms, and <laughs> acronyms upon acronyms. And so that part's exciting because there's always something new to learn. There's always a new element or facet of cybersecurity that you can go into. But I would say the biggest difference between cybersecurity and the two other industries that I worked in is the audience. Our audience is very, very skeptical. We've almost trained them to be so because we've used very generic washed out terms for so long that it's hard for people to know what our products and services actually do if we don't speak very transparently and clearly. It's also tough for them to believe us if we use big braggadocious terms like, you know, 100% unhackable or military grade or all those fun buzzwords. I just listened in on the Ask a CISO Your Questions webinar you guys did. And it was so interesting to hear their take on the things that we're all guilty of from time to time, especially if you're not hyper-technical. We kind of lean on some of those words a little bit. And it's a very good reminder. It keeps me honest, honestly, thinking of what will this audience actually want to know about our product and what types of terms will they actually respond to or what will resonate with them. That's the biggest difference, I'd say, between the other industries is just we've got a bit of a tough audience, but it's also a really good challenge to have. It forces us to be better marketers, I think. Yeah. And I think that that's what makes cybersecurity marketing fun, too, because you are being challenged every day on yep. on everything that you learned yesterday. You're being challenged on it today. And, on and, and, on and if on. you make a misstep, you will be publicly roasted and humiliated and everyone will know. So <laughs> you got to be on top of your game Absolutely. and stay honest. Yeah. So Jen, as a consultant, you do have to be a little bit of a generalist, and I think you do a really good job of that. What do you think are kind of like the pros and cons of being a generalist in marketing? Mm, that's a great question. So the pros, I'm a little bit biased because I am more on the generalist side. I think for startups especially, it's good to have, I don't know a better way to say this, but a sampler platter of a marketer. Someone that knows enough of each of the different areas that can really get the ball rolling and someone who can make the connections between all the different elements of marketing. Because there are a lot of moving pieces. There are a lot of operationally, we have so many different tools that we can use and agencies that we can use. It's helpful to have someone who understands how those different pieces connect and when to make those different connections. The bad side of it on the con side is that if I do need to get hyper-technical or super in the weeds about something, I either need to do a crap load of research or I need to either hire another specialized consultant or an agency to do those different activities. So it's, it's a blessing and a curse. It's a good thing because I can see the big picture, do a lot of the strategy elements and understand what levers to pull. But with some of the levers, I might need a specialist to assist on that regard. It's so true. So Jen, I know you've put together the 10 commandments of kindness for cybersecurity marketers, yes. which we think is very cute <laughs> and is located on the Cybersecurity Marketing Society blog. So everybody who's listening, if you want to read in full the 10 commandments of cybersecurity marketing, check out the show notes where we're going to put the link to that, which was written by Jen here. And we're so grateful that 
she wrote such an awesome blog. So in this post, you've outlined 10 commandments, hard rules, pretty much for cybersecurity marketers to follow. Can you tell us about which ones you think are the most important and why? I started with the one that I think is most important, and that is to respect your audience's time. I feel like everything really comes back to that. Everyone is so insanely busy, no matter what level you're in, or honestly, what industry you're in. It's kind of a bad thing that we're all constantly busy. When you ask someone, hey, how are you doing? Nine times out of 10, the first thing they're going to say is, oh, I'm busy. Oh, I'm busy, but good. I'm guilty of that myself. Everyone's constantly inundated with messaging from so many different channels. And if you're adding to all of that noise, it's going to be hard to stand out. But it's also so important to do your research and to understand who you're trying to speak to so that that way you can cater your messages to them or even see if that's the right audience for you or move on to someone that your product or service can actually help. So I started with that one because everything else kind of follows after that. So respecting your audience's time is, in my opinion, the the most important. One of the next ones that I led up to was to stop gating all of your content. I know that is a hotly debated topic. (laughs) There are folks that want to ungate all of their content, which I'm down with as well. But I know that there are times when you really need leads, but that shouldn't be the reason that you slap a form in front of a piece of content. My general rule of thumb is if there is a piece of material, no matter how big it is, if it's educating your prospective customer about your business, do not put any barriers in front of that. You want them to be able to educate themselves about your product without a barrier, without a form, without asking them the name of their firstborn. And if you do have something that you want to gate or to put a lead in front of, like it's unique research or something really thick and juicy, then ask for the minimal amount of information, even just an email address. If you can then append that with Zoom info or some other tools, make it as easy as possible for your prospective customer and people who are actually interested and engaged in your content. I think having so many contact forms in front of data, it's frustrating as a consumer of information and you don't want to frustrate your prospective customer. That's the last thing you want to do. I love that one. I think that's one of my favorites out of all 10. (laughs) And usually you see a little bit of pushback, I think, from either your wider team or from leadership on the idea of ungating and not actually getting leads and then waiting for that SEO win six months from now because you ungated the white paper. Yeah, I think especially with our particular audience in cybersecurity, they are very adept at doing their own research. They're accustomed to trying to find the actual technical specs and pieces of information. So they're going to spend the time that they need to to do the research and investigate. And they are the quickest to pass on your website if it doesn't show what you do and if you're putting too many barriers in front of your content. If you did pay $25,000 for a report, feel free to gate it. Yes. Oh, gosh. (laughs) I think everyone's like, ungate everything. Well, some things are actually valuable. And even though it does put you into a nurture flow, or maybe it does mean that you will get a follow-up, people will gauge on their own. People Mm -hmm. on the internet are smart. We know that that's what happens. And if something is actually valuable... I mean, I give my email to things Me too. that I think are like really good. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah this is great stuff. I yeah. want it. You can have my email. You can have my phone number. I'm not going to pick up the phone, but you can call me, I guess. <laughs> One good example was the, just to drop some names here, the Zimperium Global Mobile Threat Report that recently came out 
was like stacked with trends and data and great information. So I was quick to give my email address, even though I had access to the data because I helped with the editing on that project. I wanted to submit my information to see the final product because it was it was that good. It was that juicy. But that's one of those where it was actually worth it to submit my information, even knowing that it would put me in a the tickler file for a while. The next one is a really good one, too, and it is don't be creepy. Don't be creepy is number three in the commandments of kindness for cybersecurity marketers. The creepy factor, I think we've all seen it, and they were just talking about it in that Ask a CISO Your Marketing Questions webinar. Throwing a calendar invite on someone's calendar without any interaction with them initially, that weird whiteboard picture or fridge picture with the person saying, hey, call Jen. It's on my to-do list. See? (laughs) Yeah. No, that is so creepy and gross. And even though sometimes those things happen, those activities happen outside of the marketing department, I still would hold us marketers accountable because we're responsible for maintaining good relationships with these other departments, whether it's sales or BDR, external comms, you need to have enough engagement with those teams to be able to see what resources they might need, if there are different assets that would help them, and to better understand what their workflow is so that you can stop those things before they happen or say, whoa, 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 no, please, please, dear God, do not do that. That is horribly creepy. So yeah, don't be creepy. I think we need to just vow to not be creepy as marketers. Yeah, we did just go over this on the Ask a CISO, your marketing questions. You're right. That was a hot topic on the Ask a CISO, your marketing questions webcast that we actually just did right before this podcast. So we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. Maria, what do you think? How personalized have you gotten and how personalized is too creepy? I think with the rise of intent data, the meaning personalized and creepy is going to take a different form. (laughs) And I think there is a tasty way in which we could use information and engagement data that we have in marketing and tasteful, not tasty. Oh, geez. In no, a tasty. Way. tasty too. <laughs> I described all- content as big and juicy. I think it's around lunchtime. For <laughs> yeah, We're all hungry. like very hungry, hungry right now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we know a lot and we can know even more. It just depends on understanding whether our audience actually wants us to use that in a creepy way. So there are ways to do your research, understand your customer, personalize it with the types of content and information that will be valuable for them without just seeming like a weirdo. We'll include an example, some bad personalization in a blog post that we'll link to in the show notes, everybody. You'll get a firsthand account of some of the things that all of us have gotten in our inboxes that are just a little too far. Yeah. And I think that's important to note as well. When there are things like that that take place, either something that's too buzzword heavy or something that's creepy, we call each other out too. That's one of the things I love about the Cybersecurity Marketing Society is that is a way for us to share ideas and do like Maria, what you've said, that co-opetition thing that even though we might be competitors, we can still share ideas within the space. But I feel like it, it's a good chance for us to have constant reminders of what not to do. And whenever we see strings on whether it's LinkedIn or Reddit or Twitter, where our target personas are talking about things marketers do that they hate, 
we share that with each other. We want to do better. We fall into bad habits sometimes, but we really and truly do want to do better. I love the society for that. It also is just a good chance to memeify things and make each other laugh, which is always welcome. The best channel of the entire The memes. (laughs) I'll praise the memes. Yeah. So what's next on the list of commandments, Jen? Next one is listen. I don't think I need to go into that one too much. Honestly, I feel like Danny Wolf did a fantastic job of that on her podcast with you guys. Listening to your prospective customer wherever they're discussing their problems. When I talk about audience, I'm also talking about our internal teams, our sales teams, our development teams. Listen in on customer success calls. Try to kind of immerse yourself in whatever elements will help you to better understand your product, your company, your pain points, not just for your customer, but also for your other team members as well. Building those relationships across your whole company will pay off in dividends in the future. Number five, so the fifth commandment is to honor thy mother, and that is Mother Earth. I have to admit and confess that I have not always done a good job (laughs) of following this commandment. But when we're getting ready for events or conferences, it's so easy to just order some crappy promo items or just have something on the table. But we are very creative people. We need to focus those creative powers on thinking of different experiences that we can do or some other way that we can get people to our booth without just passing out another piece of plastic crap. Now I say this as I sit here playing with a piece of plastic crap that's like a little fidget toy. This one I love. I didn't actually get it at a conference. I got it, I think, from playing skee-ball, which is fun. But I feel like we can do better. And I think that perception has shifted a lot too within our industry where people don't want just another pen or another notebook. This is one of those areas where if you ask 10 people what their favorite promo item is, you'll get 10 drastically different responses. You'll have some people that say, I will never pick anything up. I don't care what it is. It's all a waste of money. It's a waste of time. It all goes Mm -hmm. to the landfill. And then you'll have another person say, oh, I grab every single pen that I can get my hands on. I actually met a guy at uh, Energy Set Conference who said that he takes a pen from each booth He takes it home to his wife and she does a test. They do this cute little like pen challenge to see which of the vendors had the best pen, which I thought was adorable. It's very cute because I've ordered pens before and it'd make me really happy to know that someone took it home and did a huge like Coke Pepsi challenge with it. What, What do the vendors win if they have the best pen? Oh, nothing. Probably just mind share for that particular individual. <laughs> you want a demo with that person. That would go a long way. But yeah, I think someone was talking about having, I think it might've been a Richard Melick talking about the pet a puppy or having a little puppy pet thing, which is adorable. But the options are really endless. There are so many things that we can do at our booths or just with different experiences that I want to challenge us, myself included, to get a little more creative when it comes to events. And honoring thy mother earth isn't just about not buying a lot of plastic crap. It's thinking about like your carbon footprint, if you're shipping items or sending people to different conferences. There are just so many different times that we can take a step back and really think, okay, do I need to actually order this? Is there somewhere that I can locally source for this item? Or can I swap a badge, do a badge scan in exchange for a 
10 to $50 donation to a local charity, tons of options out there. Love that. Jen, we need to know what is skee-ball? <gasps> what is skee-ball? Oh my God. I think I used the word right and pronounced it correctly. So that is where you have a wide lane. It's almost like bowling, but you have a little target that's angled towards the end and you have to roll the ball to try to make it into the center target. They have it at a lot of video game arcades. I'm probably aging myself right now. <laughs> Do they still have those? I have a ton of nieces and nephews, so I go to kids' birthday parties all the time. And there's usually ski ball, and I freaking love ski ball. Oh, okay. So actually, that might be a fun. I just never knew what it was called. That might be a fun booth event too, if you could get a little ski ball lane there too. I would stay at your booth all damn day. That's awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I know what that is. I never knew it was called ski ball. I, ski ball. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Next one is very cybersecurity specific. Actually, no, I shouldn't say it's cybersecurity specific, but I see it a lot in this industry. And it's not to fall into the trap of focusing on FUD, the fear, Mm -hmm. uncertainty, and doubt. I think they were talking about that in the CISO call as well. It's an easy trap to fall into because there are a lot of things that just scare the crap out of me. When I was working in a different industry, just starting to understand a little bit more as my husband got more involved in cybersecurity, it's almost like lifting a veil. You have this, I used to be young and innocent and naive and so happy. And then you lift this veil and you realize how many potential scams are out there, how easy it is for you to get totally owned. And it's why a lot of us are very, very hesitant to share our information because we're so focused on privacy and anonymization. And it's easy to lean on those scarier factors, but that's not the right kind of messaging for the audience or really for the world in general. And it, I think, clouds our messaging too, because you're so focused on, you should be scared of this big, bad thing versus actually focusing on the real problems and not blowing things out of proportion. We see that in our industry all the time. It's a constant battle though, too. How are you navigating that? How are you applying that, stepping away from FUD? Obviously, you want to be in the conversation about threats and about breaches. What are you doing, Jen, to make sure that it doesn't lean towards FUD? Yeah. I take a pause, take a moment, and really ask, do we have something of value that we are adding to the conversation? Is this going to be additive Or is it just adding to the noise that people are having to sift through, especially if it's during some sort of a new crisis where our analysts and our researchers are really fighting? They're awake super long hours. They're trying to secure and defend their environments. Is this going to be one more piece of crap noise that they'll have to sift through to try to actually do their job? If there's something truly additive, then let's move forward with it. But otherwise, I mean, we do with a lot of my clients to tend to try to take a back seat in some of this stuff so that you're not ambulance chasing and you're not just focusing on what's trending, which is just terrible. You don't ever want to add to something miserable trending. It's not good. Not every threat is relevant to you. Yep. yep. So that's how I keep it at Votier at my day job. It's yeah. All right. We are entering relevant conversations. If we had a big research team where we were doing a lot of threat research on these incidents and these threats and these newsworthy things, if we have the bandwidth to write a really good in-depth blog post on the threat, it's okay to be adjacent. Even if we don't touch it, I'm totally okay with that, with saying, hey, here's something relevant that's useful to you, even though 
our product doesn't solve it, but then you have to also balance what else you're doing. And if the effort is worth it to enter the conversation, because a lot of threats are just not relevant to a lot of companies. Right. Or there are so many other folks that that are already saying those types of things. So you're just regurgitating information, which isn't good for anybody. I'll add that curation can be helpful and can be useful in my perspective, but yeah, you don't need to be like doing that for everything unless that's your MO or unless that's an awareness tactic for you. It's all based on what your strategy is, of course, to each individual company. But for those of us who are time strapped, not everything is something we need to talk about or be relevant to. A good example I'll share is when Log4J first started exploding, I feel like Gray Noise did a fantastic job of providing content, like relevant intelligence in a timely manner. And they tried to round up some, not necessarily thought leaders, but people that were on top of the ball and actually knew kind of what was going on and did some great webinars and provided their information free of charge. So I love things like that. That was extraordinarily relevant, extraordinarily additive and timely. So that was truly helpful for a lot of folks that were trying to defend against that. And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors and producers, Hacker Valley Media. Chris Cochran and Ron Eddings run an amazing studio here, which produces not only the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, but a bunch of other shows that you're going to want to listen to as well. So all these shows plus more, and then on top of that, probably even more coming soon are available to look at, listen to, and sponsor at HackerValley.com. Make sure you go over there and say, hey, Gianna and Maria said I should come check out your website, listen to your shows, and uh, sponsor a podcast or two. Another company who I think is a good example of doing this, along with Gray Noise, is also Huntress. If any of you... Yes. Huntress is very yep. good at being the intelligence source on threats and breaches. But again, that's part of their strategy. That's what they're doing. And they also have incident response in their platform, I do believe. So it is aligned with their product too. Yep. And this is one of those other areas too, where we've seen it public shaming taking place. Like, oh God, I just got this email and I can't believe they're trying to tell me, oh, you know, if you had our product, you would have been able to avoid blah, blah, blah. (laughs) insert threat here. That'll drive people insane. Instant block. Yeah. The next one, the number seven was to never stop learning. And I think that that is really important when you boil everything down to trying to make decisions as a marketer from a point of kindness. It might seem a little odd to have that as one of the commandments, but I think sharpening the saw and trying to stay on top of your game, whether it's about your industry or intelligence or your marketing skills, That is the kindest thing that you can do for your customers and for your teams, because you're not going to be trying to do the same thing that we've always done just because it's always been that way. That's one of the most dangerous habits in marketing is, well, we've always done it that way. Oh God, that scares the crap out of me when I hear people say that, because that usually means that there are so many things broken that you probably don't even realize within your processes or your messaging. So you always want to be on top of trying to absorb information from a ton of resources like this amazing podcast. And there are so many resources out there. Sometimes that's a challenge too, just shifting through those and trying to figure out 
which ones are going to help you, which ones are actually relevant. But usually after you watch a few videos or listen to a few podcasts from a channel, you can tell, okay, this one's for me. I'm going to keep this one in my rotation list. But that's a big one too, is just always, I know time is of the essence, but it's time that will pay for itself in the long run is investing in yourself and your education. So what about commandment eight, read the room? Oh, yes. Read the room. So we touched on this one just a little bit ago where we were talking about not ambulance chasing, but this is more about trying to understand what your audience is going through, whether it's defending against Log4J or if they're in the middle of an actual world crisis, understand what they are struggling with at that time And don't be insensitive. Don't be tone deaf. Don't send them that email that starts with, hey, I hope your week is going well. When clearly, if you knew anything about their job role, you would know, oh, dear God in heaven, it is not going well at all. This is probably one of the toughest weeks they've had in months. So understand what they're going through, what their struggles are, and know when to press pause on some of your communications. We've got so many awesome tools that help us to automate things and pre-schedule things, but it can be a huge error if you just pre-schedule and then let those things set it and forget it. Does not always work well in our industry. If there's something huge happening, take a back seat. It's okay to be a little quiet for a little while and let folks work through whatever they're struggling through and then start your communications again. I really like that. And I think we saw some of that within the society group when the war in Ukraine started. There were a lot of people who made it a point not to join the bandwagon of the cyber attacks and all of the cyber threats that were coming out of that, but also just being sensitive to how people are feeling in those first few weeks. And I think maybe there are some that are still kind of like, going light on comps because of that, because it's still going on today. Right. It's the right thing to do for a lot of reasons. Again, you don't want to be adding to any noise if it's not actually additive or adding value. And by all means, you do not want to further stress an audience that is already going through a lot. That'll leave a sour taste in their mouths too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's also for the sales team too, because the sales team could be using the wrong type of messaging and not being sensitive to what's going on too. Yep. So number nine, don't be a liar, liar, pants on fire. We hit that already with military grade and unhackable, all these buzzwords. But number 10, give back to the community. That's an interesting, that's something that we don't often talk about, you know, community and you and me and Maria talk about it all the time because we're in an amazing community community that gives back. But giving back to the cybersecurity community is a little different. Yeah, this has a few different layers. So growing up, My mom was a volunteer. She volunteered at so many different places. She was a stay-at-home mom, but she was actually volunteering, I think, longer hours than a lot of people worked their full-time job. So I grew up in a household where being of service was really, really important. And that's something that's just stuck with me in my core. So when it comes to giving back to the community, to the cybersecurity community, that's anything from sharing your intelligence within your different trust groups from donating your time or volunteering at a conference or an event, just helping out, which also, by the way, helps with networking and sharpening your skills too. If you've got the money for it, donate to send someone to a conference that has education that you think would help them to develop in their career. 
a volunteer to be a mentor to someone. And you don't even need to do all of these things in some sort of official manner. Just look at different things and think, how can I help? How can I help in the situation? Because there's always a way that you can help, whether that's through augmenting a message or sharing things with a wider audience or creating new pieces of content that help people to educate themselves about different parts within the cybersecurity industry. Like I said earlier, there are so many different facets to this industry and so many different things to learn that it's kind of intimidating for someone, even with my background, where I had sort of learned a little bit through my husband's experience in the industry. It's intimidating to come in and there are just so many different things to ramp up on. That skill ramp is pretty massive. Having someone there to not really hold your hand, but to help give you a hand up when you need it makes such a world of difference. And find like-minded folk within things like the Cybersecurity Marketing Society or other groups. Whoop, whoop. Thousand members strong. What? That's amazing. That's so awesome. But yeah, find those different communities where you can help each other out. And sometimes that just means having a shoulder to cry on, even if it's virtually, just understanding that you're not alone, that a lot of us are going through similar things is super helpful. So yeah, I ended it with that one because I feel like that's the one that's going to keep going on forever. It's like commandment number 10 lives on for the rest of time because those little acts of service within your community, they spread tenfold. So that's amazing. Very important. Oh, how amazing is this list of commandments, Shannon, so timely? Because I feel like you summarized the Ask a CISO, your marketing questions webinar. It was insane. Actually, I'm glad I sent you guys the link before that, because otherwise you would have thought I stole all the ideas from there. No, we know you're brilliant. It was really (laughs) reaffirming to hear directly from the mouths of some of our prospective customers that these are things that are important to them too. It's a, a good little pat on the back, like, okay, yes, I'm going in the right direction. Because coming from different industries and being new-ish to cybersecurity, we all have that imposter syndrome. We all have those moments where we doubt ourselves. Even when I was asked by you guys to be on this podcast, that negative self-talk started of, oh, what the hell are you going to have to talk about? But this is something that I'm very passionate about. Marketing in general, I can't ever turn off that marketing brain It's always active. It's always trying to find different ways that other companies can improve their restaurant menu or something stupid. And that core of being of service and trying to look at every decision from a point of, is this kind? How can I find the kindness within this decision? I definitely can't say that I follow all of these all the time. It's part of the reason why I wanted to write it out and have a little printable to remind myself But I can't say that I probably follow these commandments a little more than the actual Ten Commandments because those are just crazy. These are very, very good reminders of things that we can try to keep ourselves in check with as marketers and just human beings in general. So Jen, let's play our game. Or actually, Maria, do you want to do game style or do you want to just ask Jen? Ski ball? Just kidding. Uh, I think let's ask Jen. Jen, tell us, so this is our last question. Mm -hmm of the episode. Tell us if you are not a cybersecurity marketer or an automotive marketer or a medical marketer or a marketer at all, what would you be doing? Oh my gosh. What would I do if I weren't a marketer? I don't think I can ever switch off that part of my brain. I love the creative and analytical side of it. 
But I would reframe that as if I had unlimited funds, like if I just had won the lottery, even though I never actually play it, if somehow by a miracle, I won the lottery and I had all the money, I think I would just be a full-time volunteer like my mom used to do. I would volunteer my marketing services to help different nonprofits or organizations to improve their messaging. Cause Oh my word, there are a lot of nonprofits out of there doing a lot of good with really good causes with really terrible marketing that just need a little push, a little bit of help to do even more good. I think that's what I would do. That's kind of cheating because that's still marketing. But if I was really and truly not allowed to market at all, gosh, what would I do? (sighs) Maybe I love training and teaching. So I used to want to go into teaching, but I have siblings who are teachers. So I see the other tougher side of that. Oh, yes. But I admire teachers. Full-time volunteer. That's my answer. I'm sticking to it. Love that. Well, I would have been wrong. Had I guessed, oh, because sometimes would you guessed? Jenna and I will guess. I thought maybe something in the music industry. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. you know what? That could be fun. Maybe a singer or superstar. You'll have to see when I do karaoke at our next society event. Ooh, then you'll say, no, okay. stick to your day job, kid. Stick to marketing. <laughs> I was going to say like an artsy fartsy person without being so offensive by saying artsy fartsy, but you know, like an artist. Artsy, artsy fartsy. I think yeah, that's a like good somebody trend. does, like I could see you like watercoloring. Oh, I love watercolors. Oh, yes. yes I'm right. Actually, when I first went to college back in the day, I was an art major, not because I was any good at it, but just because I really enjoyed it. So <laughs> that's one of those weird paths where if you ask marketers like, hey, how did you get involved in it? I'd assume that most of us didn't actually major in it initially. Like we started on oh, yeah. something else, but oh yeah, absolutely. Yep, so I'd say artsy fartsy singer volunteer. Boom. <laughs> there Done. you go. Very good. <laughs> Triple threat right there. I like so it. Jen, how do people get in contact with you if they want to learn more or engage with you for some services or just chit chat about being an artsy fartsy volunteer? Yes. LinkedIn is probably the best way. First challenge is trying to spell my last name. So good luck on that. Twitter, I'm on there a little bit, not a whole heck of a lot. I need to update my website for my consulting. So don't go there. It's a secret. Now everybody's going to try to go to the website. It's (laughs) thejvan.com. But really LinkedIn is probably the easiest way to get a hold of me or join the Cybersecurity Marketing Society and hit me up in our Slack group. Yeah. All right. So we'll link to all of those links, except for the one that Jen doesn't want included. Thanks. Until I update it. (laughs) It's so old. (laughs) Yeah. So it might be there by the time you listen. So those will be in the show notes and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Jen, for being on our pod. Thank you both so much. That was fun. Yeah. This was really nice. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. If you want to be on Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing, please send us an email at podcasts at hackervalley.com. We'd love to have you on as a guest and please make sure to like, subscribe, share, listen, upvote, everything positive you can do about this show. We're trying our best to get the message out there that cybersecurity marketing isn't boring and difficult and lonely. Not with us. See you soon. (laughs) See ya.